Welcome to Word on the Block, the series that takes a deeper dive into the blockchain and emerging technologies that shape our world at the intersection of business, politics, and economy. It's what we cover right here on Forecast News. I'm Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Well, it is big news in blockchain. Consensus, the Brooklyn-based Ethereum software firm, has acquired JP Morgan's blockchain project or platform called Quorum. So here to share the why, the how, the how that happened, and what happens next is Joseph Lubin. It's good to see you again. Joseph Lubin is co-founder of Ethereum and founder of Consensus. Hey, Joe. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Okay, so, you know, there was a lot of buzz uh, late last year as to uh, JP Morgan and Quorum and the the speculation that it needed to leave J.P. Morgan to to actually grow. And so uh, Consensus was one of the names that was bandied about. Obviously, this is a Ethereum-based platform. How did this all come about? Um, So Consensus and J.P. Morgan have been um, very friendly and collaborative uh, for quite some time. Um, uh, J.P. Morgan uh, started paying attention to Ethereum blockchain technology even before uh, public mainnet was released. Um, So they started uh, experimenting and and building out some things uh, when we were still building proofs of concept. Um, uh, They had a handful of different teams that focused on blockchain technology. um, And we've interacted uh, with them roughly from the start. We uh, started to interact with them uh, in a really concerted way um, around the time of uh, the advent of the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance. Uh, so uh, we were two of the major drivers of that initiative uh, and have been two of the major drivers of activity inside the EEA uh, since uh, since launch, really. Uh, so we've had um, warm, collaborative, open channels for a long time. Um, Consensus itself has done quite a bit of work uh, using the Quorum platform. Uh, We've been offering uh, support, world-class software support from our customer success and support group for somewhere around two and a half years. Uh, And so we're not new to Quorum. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, this... From JPM's perspective, and, and this is partially speculation, um, they are configured to be a world-class financial institution. Um, they have world-class technologists uh, resident, um, but they use technology in the service of, uh, of delivering financial services uh, around the world. And um, they have to make choices uh, to derive the highest value uh, from their uh, technology operations. And so um, it became clear to them that um, Quorum was very popular, but they didn't really want to be a software infrastructure company or software product company. Um, they didn't really want to spin up uh, a big, strong uh, support unit. Um, in the end, we did a bunch of that uh, uh, for different Quorum installations that uh, we built for different institutions and consortia. Uh, and so uh, I think they faced the decision of uh, how do they continue to offer um, blockchain-based applications um, 
knowing that they needed a certain platform, a certain configuration, an enterprise Ethereum platform, um, without just needing to be a software company. And so they considered spinning out Quorum into its own independent entity, and they shopped around with uh, with different uh, potential partners and uh, came to the conclusion that uh, consensus is deep enough and broad enough uh, with nearly 100 protocol engineers uh, so that we would be effectively the ideal stewards of the platform and, and that we could continue working warmly and collaboratively together to uh, build out the roadmaps that they would like to see to build out the roadmap that we would like to see for our Hyperledger base client, which uh, um, mm -hmm. it essentially accomplishes very similar things to what uh, the two layers of Quorum does. And we have two layers in, in our own uh, Hyperledger uh, base based client. Um, both systems have confidentiality overlays and enterprise um, tooling uh, effectively. And, uh, and so it, it became clear that um, it was kind of a match made in blockchain heaven uh, because we could um, move both platforms forward, um, merge them into one platform. They're currently uh, mm -hmm. a single platform right now in terms of branding uh, with some implementation differences that, that people can uh, choose to customize if they wish. Um, and in the not too distant future, and according to the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance specifications, uh, we will achieve plug and play interoperability and effectively merge the code bases into one code base. And so um, we uh, were fortunate enough to be able to acquire the project and that comes along with um, hundreds, uh, maybe in the thousands of customers uh, that weren't really paying customers, but uh, uh, now JP Morgan is a paying customer of Consensus and JP Morgan and uh, uh, hundreds of financial in institutions will receive support uh, from Consensus, and there are other uh, hundreds of other um, users of Quorum out in the world that uh, we will now be able to more directly address. Mm. Uh, that came along with uh, an investment and, and a commercial uh, agreement between our two organizations. Yeah, it really inflates the business opportunities for Consensus to really bring in-house all of those financial firms uh, and and services yeah. that that JP Morgan already kind of complements and services itself. So you mentioned the deal. It's very interesting. Reports say that uh, JP Morgan invested twenty million into Consensus as part of a fifty million dollar convertible debt deal. Can you confirm those numbers? I cannot confirm nor deny those numbers at this point. <laughs> it, it's part, the numbers it's part, are interesting. Part of an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process for consensus. I want you to explain how this helps consensus, how this potentially reshapes it. How are you using this uh, investment uh, partnership uh, yeah. moving forward? So the best way to think about how this helps consensus is to understand how it helps the customer. Um, so potentially hundreds, thousand or so customers out there. Um, up to this point, they haven't had a uh, coherent, complete enterprise Ethereum or enterprise blockchain solution anywhere. Um, Consensus has been busy building out the infrastructure for the public permissionless Ethereum ecosystem. So we've built lots of infrastructure, developer tooling, security tooling, security audit services, um, wallets, 
uh, and all of that um, is now uh, becoming available uh, to quorum clients. Uh, so um, our Truffle Suite developer tooling uh, will now um, intimately uh, and directly support quorum development. Our security audit uh, software, we have some software tools and uh, a bunch of people that do manual security audits. So they'll uh, focus more directly on quorum. Uh, we are in the process of configuring very sophisticated cloud uh, architectures and uh, the ability to deploy that. And so that now becomes available to all the quorum clients. Um, we have uh, an orchestration tool that enables the orchestration of simple or complex transactions, receiving receipts, keeping registries of smart contracts. Um, we have business workflow. We have digital asset issuance and full lifecycle management. We have uh, document management um, and I could name uh, maybe seven or eight other uh, products and services uh, that are now available. Uh, and so it's about uh, finally uh, creating a, a really great solution uh, for customers. And that just enables us to do an enormous amount more business. Uh, it, uh, it opens up the entire uh, quorum clientele uh, directly to us. It's a huge, uh, you know, it's a huge task. So then what happens to all of your portfolio companies, the companies that you've invested in, the startups uh, that are part of the ecosystem? How are you reorganizing um, both, you know, the enterprise services part of it, which Quorum, uh, you know, seemingly might be a part of, and then how are you addressing supporting still the startup and, and the portfolio uh, companies of which you've invested in? Um, so first, um, in a sense, that's an orthogonal question uh, to our acquisition of Quorum. Um, over the last year plus, we have we architected consensus into a portfolio management and investment company and a sibling company, a new company called Consensus Software, um, which uh, has absorbed some of the uh, major properties um, constituting a blockchain stack. Uh, so these are our Pegasus group, our protocol engineering and systems group. They're the, the group that is uh, uh, essentially uh, becoming the stewards uh, of Quorum. Uh, and merging with our, our existing client, uh, Infura, our infrastructure group, which handles you know, on extremely busy days up to 10 billion queries from the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, our Codify group, Commerce and Decentralized Finance, which uh, is build, building uh, um, many applications and services uh, that are um, essentially being offered through Infura or being offered through MetaMask, our, our wallet, um, or, or being offered standalone. Uh, and MetaMask, our, our wallet solution, which is uh, the most secure and, and uh, much larger, uh, largest um, user base uh, wallet in the ecosystem. Uh, and so all of that has been available um, in private permission systems. So it's all dedicated to the, the public permissionless space, but we can take that technology and make it available uh, in private permission context when we build uh, custom solutions or increasingly, and this is happening very often when we uh, can simply apply our existing and maturing products uh, to private permission networks, whether they're inside a single organization or across consortia. Uh, and so um, we are a software product company uh, that 
does some custom work, uh, and increasingly uh, the custom work that we do um, is making heavy use of, of our product. So the custom work that we do is, is starting to look more like uh, a glue software or little pieces of middleware between our products as we build uh, complex and composite solutions for, uh, for different clientele. Um, Which so, so we will continue to do portfolio management and investing uh, in our old, our, our you know, initial company consensus AG. Uh, and this new company, Consensus Software, um, is essentially building out a blockchain operating system, so a, a very focused effort. The blockchain operating system, you know, is is very competitive space, but one place where it seems to be the, really the trigger and the foundation is uh, what's happening in DeFi right now. And, you know, the last time we talked earlier this year, uh, we, we talked about if DeFi was ready for prime time. What's your assessment today and, and how just, just, the, just the trend line for DeFi right now? And, and how do you think that consensus and, and the projects that you're, you're building as well, but then as it's correlated to Ethereum, how is that supporting the rise of DeFi? So if you define prime time by adoption by naive consumers. I think we're not quite there yet, um, but we're moving remarkably close to that. Uh, DeFi is decentralized finance, uh, natively digital finance. Uh, it uh, um, has been described as a set of uh, uh, potentially interoperating Lego block financial protocols. Some of these protocols subserve lending and borrowing uh, or insurance or prediction markets or derivatives or synthetics or equity issuance or bond issuance. Uh, um, and so decentralized exchanges are, are a very large part of it. Um, these technologies are, they really constitute the development, the emergence of a new financial plumbing layer for the planet. Uh, so I like to think of decentralized protocols like Ethereum uh, as being a revolution in trust, uh, where um, for millennia we've had to settle uh, for the best that we could do in centralized and subjective trust systems. Um, at this moment, uh, we're all aware of a catastrophic failure um, in centralized trust systems uh, across the planet. Uh, and I think people are crying out for a new way of doing things. And, and we've been saying that decentralized protocols uh, can replace subjective trust with automated and objective trust. Uh, so build real trustworthy systems that uh, every actor using those systems uh, can believe in, can believe uh, are, are not improperly manipulated uh, just because by the nature of this new database technology, everybody knows exactly what's happening on the protocol and when it happened. And there's no way to go into um, the history uh, of the database and improperly manipulated and that's essentially cheat the system um, unless you're um, potentially willing to marshal uh, just prohibit prohibitively expensive uh, resources. And so uh, a much better foundation. Uh, and upon that new trust foundation, we can now uh, invent uh, and build with digital assets. And uh, um, these digital assets started out as uh, ERC-20 tokens, and uh, uh, we've seen lots of experimentation, exciting experimentation with non-fungible tokens. Um, 
price stable currencies, stable coins, um, mm -hmm. have laid a really exciting foundation upon which uh, we're essentially seeing um, this new financial plumbing for the emerging digital economy uh, being built. And so, uh, in addition to the technological excitement, um, there's a lot of money being made. So there's billions, I think that ecosystem's probably sitting around $20 billion total between staking and value of the tokens. And it's growing really rapidly um, in a world in which yields are low or negative. Um, we have this expanding, exponentially expanding ecosystem where the tokens are rising in price, but also people are achieving yield. Um, yeah. And, and so, um, we're seeing it's almost a it's almost a you know a non-existent world in traditional finance right now with with central banks around the world really exactly. lowering yeah. it to a level of yeah and, negative and rates the interesting thing is that uh just because we're probably at the end of uh of a debt super cycle 70-year debt super cycle and monetary systems or maybe end of lifeing and, and we need to happen upon or construct a new monetary regime uh, in different nations or, or for the planet. Um, the regulators, the politicians, the systems are just constrained to making moves that drive more and more people in our, in our direction. Uh, so it's a, yeah. it's a remarkable self-fulfilling prophecy. It is, there are constraints though uh, right now technology um, has yes. not necessarily caught up with with just the influx of demand yeah. whether or not it's uh, the drive of DeFi uh, or if it's stable coins I mean I'm noting that ethereum is now the most popular uh, blockchain surpassing Bitcoin in volumes alone yeah. but it's also driving the price of ether um, to it to is. unfortunately uh, levels where it is prohibitive to a lot of people I want to it, for for a, some use uh, cases, and, and it's much less expensive than a Bitcoin transaction at this point. But since I have you here, um, we've we've. I'm going to read a, a quote from a Reddit user um, that posted uh, Willie three three eight zero. So we we found this, but you know, quote to require a transaction fee of ninety nine dollars is beyond ridiculous. This will be a major roadblock to growth if someone on the team doesn't address this. I hope someone on the team will address this and soon it has to be addressed for mass adoption. And uh, he's talking about one of one of the one of the um, uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. um, but but he, generally speaking, you know, the gas fees are, are very astronomical for, for mm -hmm. some. There is a growing concern as to whether or not this does kind of stop the the rise and the the trend line how, how are you how are you addressing these issues how is ethereum addressing these issues yes yeah, so uh, thank you for quoting some reddit wisdom uh it, it generally <laughs> guides our behavior um, so, so i i would uh i would be really really disturbed um if we weren't having profound scaling issues at, at this point um throughout uh the history of information technology hardware and software uh, humans have always built out something new, a new technology, a new protocol, a new piece of hardware, uh, whether it's memory or screen size. And um, immediately the industrious software developers or, or users max out that technology. Um, so we're constantly bumping against this ceiling of scalability in different forms. And we need to do that uh, in order to find out 
what needs to get fixed first. Uh, and so we're going to continue to bump up against scalability. Um, uh, I don't know if you dialed in uh, to the internet using uh, using a 96 baud modem, but uh, we, we've we bumped up against lots of ceilings in my um, career, uh, and uh, I'm happy to see that we're still doing that. Uh, so where we're seeing solutions um, is uh, in a bunch of different directions. So uh, we've been talking about layer two solutions where we have hundreds or thousands of transactions per second uh, sitting in a, a network layer uh, on top and connected into layer one Ethereum and getting and driving its trust from uh, Ethereum. And so there are um, OMG network is online with uh, many thousands of transactions per second. Uh, scale is coming online momentarily. Um, there are zero, a bunch of the, the DEXs, the decentralized exchanges are, are implementing roll-up technologies. So there are a couple different uh, brands of roll-up technology. We're pioneering another one that uh, probably nobody's heard about uh, at consensus uh, via a new mechanism. Uh, so scalability uh, is being addressed. Um, by evolving the Ethereum 1 protocol, um, by mm -hmm. adding uh, literally tens or hundreds of thousands of transactions per second um, at layer two above layer one, um, and by building out Ethereum 2, which will multiply all of that scalability by probably around 500 um, early on and then um, even, even more over time. It's already happening. Scalability is here. Um, it's not evenly distributed. Um, there are a bunch of applications that are able to make use of it, and uh, it'll become more generally available. Uh, ETH 2.0 uh, is, is um, on schedule, though we do note that there was a little bit of a hiccup with the, uh, with the uh, 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 testnet Medela, it seemed like the long awaited update um, was just around a corner, but unfortunately a time bug brought the testnet um, and paused it for a little bit. Can you, can you address yeah. that? What, what, where are we now in the roadmap for ETH2? Yeah, so the, uh, the Argentinian pronunciation, pronunciation uh, of Medalla or Medalla is Medasha, and, that, and that's what, what everyone's going with right now. So that's canonical okay. right now. And thank you for giving me another great setup. Um, so testnets- Unintentional. <laughs> yeah, testnets are, are there um, for us to find bugs uh, and not just for us to find bugs and fix them, but for us to find bugs and build out the processes uh, that are required so that if we do encounter a bug on mainnet, um, we're already well-practiced in, in how to address that. Uh, we've seen that on Ethereum 1 where there have been a, a small number of issues early on on the network and the response time and the fixes uh, came remarkably quickly. Uh, and so we need um, issues to pop up. If there were no issues popping up, I would be very concerned. I, I would um, raise bounties uh, just to try to get one issue uh, on the testnet so that so that we can have all the teams working together uh, to practice uh, on how to remediate uh, issues on mainnet. Uh, so what happened was a dependency on an external third-party service uh, by one of the clients. Uh, there were uh, five clients on the network uh, at the time, and 
that's remarkable too, just getting uh, these different teams, five different teams building five different pieces of software and keeping them in sync um, on, on a consensus network uh, is incredible. Um, what is amazing, so it took a few days to understand the problem and fix the problem. Um, and what is really remarkable is that the network healed itself. Uh, so the network did not go down um, and it is now uh, back in sync, it's back in operation, it finalized um, blocks. Uh, and so uh, from a very ugly configuration, um, it actually resuscitated itself uh, and is perfectly healthy again. Phase one uh, is the second phase of ETH2. It's going to roll out in 2021. It's going to integrate uh, shard change, which really reduces um, the time uh, and increases the transaction uh, speeds and the number of transactions per yeah. second. Where, where do you see it going as it correlates the trends that we're seeing in DeFi and bringing it back to all of these financial services and institutions like the JP Morgans, who are now clients of yours uh, under Quorum. Uh, how does this all coincide with what we're going to see next year and uh, seeing more enterprise integration potentially? Yeah. yeah so as you were indicating, um, there are some major phases to Ethereum 2.0. Um, it's phase zero, one, and two, um, the three major phases. Uh, phase zero goes live, I believe, probably in November. Um, we have uh, smart people betting that, it, that it's going to be November. Um, and that brings the heartbeat of the system to life, uh, the beacon chain, uh, the proof of stake system. Um, you can also think of the proof of stake system as a DeFi application because um, it's like people are staking their ether in order to achieve yield uh, to essentially stand up this this uh, public good infrastructure. Uh, so uh, sort of a uh, infrastructure bond in a sense. Um, and it's gonna be one of the biggest and most important um, yield applications uh, in the Ethereum ecosystem. It's going to require quite a large amount of ether to be staked, uh, but there's uh, all the test nets have seen tremendous activity. So there, there's no concern that we won't uh, get that much ether staked on the network. Um, phase one, the next phase um, does roll out uh, probably next year. Um, a lot of the complexity has been built into phase zero. Uh, phase one is about adding data shards. Phase two is about adding execution engines. Um, and phase one will uh, bring an enormous amount of data availability to applications. Um, and it's not going to bring initially data availability to applications on Ethereum 2. It's going to bring data availability to applications on Ethereum 1. Because Ethereum 1, uh, these layer 2 networks that I was talking about, um, one of the things that they're really starving for is uh, guaranteed access to data or da data availability. And so um, sharding itself is going to be a tremendous scalability mechanism for Ethereum 1, even before it becomes a tremendous, a more tremendous uh, mm. scalability mechanism for Ethereum 2. The next phase, uh, phase 2, uh, brings execution environments. Um, my assumption is that we're going to have the ability to run um, certain kinds of programs very, very soon after we launch phase 1. So a, a little bit of a, a phase 2 
or, or maybe phase two gets implemented in phases. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see some real functionality early on and then, and then full-blown functionality maybe in maybe a year later or nine months later or something like that. You know, reflecting uh, just what the blockchain journey has been with all of these protocols and uh, with Ethereum um, also being the basis of a lot of enterprise uh, solutions like the JPM coin, like Quorum, uh, like Hyperledger Bezu, um, where does it leave the rest of the blockchain protocols? Is this an industry in which uh, interoperability at, at, at the end of the day is something that, uh, you know, and co-op, you know, uh, co-opetition, um, is that something that, that will serve this industry well? Where, how do you perceive that? I think in the near term, uh, we'll certainly see competition among protocols uh, near middle term uh, as exists right now. Um, systems like Fabric uh, do a decent job of uh, uh, being a substrate for applications that are, are, are more narrowly scoped. You, you can't have many nodes on a Fabric network. Um, that's not what IBM is really selling. Um, uh, their other good blockchain technologies, uh, Tezos, uh, Cosmos, uh, Definity, Polkadot. Um, it's possible that they'll carve out a niche for themselves. Um, it is spectacularly unlikely, in my opinion, that they will uh, be able to catch up to the orders of magnitude um, in difference in size, difference in growth, differences in speed of development, differences in uh, developer community, difference in infrastructure uh, that Ethereum holds as an advantage over uh, those protocols, which, which really have uh, actually, despite the, uh, the indications in the press, um, they really don't have a lot of people uh, working on those systems. Uh, Ethereum is uh, uh, at least two orders of magnitude larger than, than all of those systems. Um, any new technology uh, is going to have to grapple with regulatory issues uh, where Ethereum and Bitcoin have already cleared that bar uh, and been declared commodities. Uh, so it's going to be uh, spectacularly different for uh, difficult for a, a new, uh, even high quality technology and team uh, to build a tokenized blockchain protocol uh, and get real engagement for it. Uh, they're essentially going to have to distribute their token broadly and equitably uh, in order to have legitimacy and excitement from their community. And, and they're really going to have to promise their community that this token uh, is going to grow in value by the agency uh, of some core team. And by definition, that's a security. Uh, and so they're in this, this quandary where uh, they have to sell a security um, almost by definition. And therefore, almost by definition, they're not going to be able to distribute it broadly and equitably because uh, they're going to have to be, be distributing to accredited investors. And so we've seen some pretty good teams and protocols built what are now uh, called VC coins uh, that are um, not gaining uh, the traction that, uh, uh, say, two years ago, the VCs uh, were excited about. And so um, there will be attempts, um, but the VCs don't seem to be very interested in, in supporting uh, new competing protocols. So. That said, um, yeah, I think there will be interoperation across uh, a handful of, 
of different blockchain technologies and there will be uh, great um, and important interoperation between things like blockchain protocols and decentralized storage systems like IPFS and Filecoin or decentralized bandwidth or decentralized heavy compute systems or decentralized identity systems. So that's uh, what I think the decent or the increasingly decentralized World Wide Web is going to look like. It is indeed a bunch of interoperating protocols. Well, Joe, um, if there's one thing about competition, we know is that at least it, you know, everybody's feet is, is held to the fire and there's accountability and there's also, you know, development of best practices. So, um, you know, as, as we move into the future, uh, it's, it's anyone's guess, uh, but your guesses are, are usually pretty strong. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing uh, that perspective with us. Really appreciate you joining us on the show today. Thank you, Angie. All right, uh, Joe will speak again. Uh, so thank you for joining us and, and thank you everyone for joining us on this latest episode of Word on the Block. I'm Forecast News Editor-in-Chief Angie Lau. Until the next cool. time. Thanks, Joe.